0: welcome to this grit and grace life you've got questions we've got answers from the boardroom to the bedroom car lines to college single married or single again we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. I feel like you're welcoming me to the <laughs> Grit and Grace Life. What's up, friends? I'm I, Julie Bender.
1: Yeah, I kind of am, actually, just because I've missed your face. I
0: know. It's been a hot minute.
1: Yeah, I think your child is 12 now. Basically. We got back. No.
0: She's, she's more gone. than 12 pounds, though. She's a little solid one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she is. And, you know, I picked her up first time I've seen her Mm -hmm. which is really sad but I try not to be offended but it's fine
0: (laughs) I'm kidding everyone (laughs) no I picked her up and went oh Julie you're feeding her well yeah it's weird Lincoln was a little peanut and she is I I should have come up with a better nut there afterwards (laughs) a a bigger nut I failed
1: yeah a cashew those are very sweet (laughs) We're going to start with a
0: few things from the internet, what the internet says about (laughs) what we're talking about. Uh (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking a little bit more of my story today. So we did a little Google search on stories. Apparently, Albert Einstein loved stories, especially fairy tales. He said, if you want your children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. If you want them to be more intelligent, read them more fairy tales. Interesting. I know. I think it's true. Hmm. You create their imagination,
1: you build it, and then they can dream things. Interesting. Yeah. All right.
0: How about this one? Did you know that there are thousands of variations of the Cinderella story throughout the world? The oldest written version, Yi Shi An, I don't know if I said that right. My Chinese is a little rusty, comes from China in 860. Um, Yi Shi is kind and hardworking and helped by the spirit. Oh, my gosh, you're not ready for this. Helped by the spirit of her murdered mother who comes to her in the form of a fish.
1: I kind of prefer the bad stepsisters. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like that is
0: a really dark version of Cinderella. Yeah,
1: it is. Uh, maybe that's one of the things we'd rather not know. <laughs> All uh, right. In 2008, researcher Jeremy... How do you say this one? Hugh? I would just think it's a silent S. Yeah, you're probably right. Hugh found out that the human brain is more engaged by storytelling than by simple logical fact. I mean, yes. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, Jeremy, we knew that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, 17 films with the word story in their titles have won Oscars. West Side Story was the most successful of those, winning 10 Oscars. Mm, I guess we want to hear
1: a story. Apparently. Well, that's why we're doing what we're doing today because our stories not only tell our strength, but create our strength. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just hearing the path of another woman helps us not feel alone. Yep. A few podcasts ago, you heard a bit of Julie's life. You heard about her first marriage and then her wedding and even some of her dating. But we kind of thought it'd be great to revisit a little bit and bring you up to speed of where she is today. Yep. My life just keeps being written in interesting stories. Yeah, I think I should say, welcome, Julie Bender. (laughs) (laughs) Do I feel like Julie Bender yet to you? I've actually shifted over finally.
0: But I do write Julie Graham Bender sometimes. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely still have people that call me Julie Graham, and I look at them like, "Are you for real?" But if I don't see them very often, I guess it's still hard for them. Yeah, I'll we're bet two so. years in, though. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of your first marriage to Paul, um, as we said in episode one oh one, it was tough. You had some tough time, and when he passed away, um, you were actually separated.
0: Yeah. So I was married to my first husband. And again, this is all covered in way more detail in episode 101. Um, But we were married just over 11 years um, when we actually separated. My choice. And that was a really bold, scary decision of mine. But I felt like our relationship had hit such an unhealthy place that basically an ultimatum, which is really what it was, was required as we covered before. Unfortunately, during that separation, he had the tragic accident and passed away. And so there I was like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) So one, I was, you know, afraid I was maybe going to end up being divorced and instead, you know, flip the script, I'm actually, you know, widowed with a three-year-old. And, you know, after a few months back in the dating scene, wondering, you know, what would become of Lincoln and I and how would we recover? And would there be a chance for us to have, you know, that happy, fulfilling love story after all?
1: Well, and I do think a little bit of that dating season, even though we've touched on it about your dating and mm-hmm. at different
0: times, give it, give us a little insight in this episode. Yeah. I, I feel like we talked about dating in episode 94. Don't quote me that that's exactly right, but go back somewhere 94 to 97 and we talked a little bit about it. I think I was dating my now husband at the time, but I don't think we said I was dating him yet. I think that's right. Okay. So I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed dating. Yeah. Um, yes you did. <laughs> I mean, y'all know if you've been listening to the show for a while, I'm pretty outgoing, I'm pretty bubbly. Um, and so my personality really thrived being back in the dating world, especially because I had been out for so freaking long, you know, I'd been out 15 years. So I went from child to to adult woman with a lot of life experience under my belt. And, um, you know, I kind of went in wanting to have some fun for a little bit and then get more serious. And that's really kind of how it went down. I kind of had to get my feet wet and practice and I was kind of bad at it at first. Um, One of my favorite dating stories is I was interested in this guy that was a mutual friend of my new post-life of Paul, Miranda. I've talked about her on the show, Miranda's friend. Um, she had introduced us and we were maybe going to go on a date, but he had just recently started dating somebody else. So it was kind of like the, if this doesn't work out with this new girl, maybe we can go out. But he wanted to be a gentleman and give her a chance. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But I'm just going to keep insta-flirting with you just in case <laughs> she's boring and I can seem cooler, right? So I don't know. I'm trying to be like, you know, a dater. So one day, I, you know, and I could comment on things on his social media here of and there. Of course you did. And one day he commented on one of my posts. So I took a screenshot of it. And, you know, on, on an iPhone, you can like scribble on a screenshot on your phone. So I took the screenshot and I circled like 14 times that he had commented on my post And I sent it to Miranda with like a million emojis of how excited I was like, look, I have a chance. And unfortunately, I had actually sent that screenshot to him, (laughs) to him in Instagram. Yeah, when you're wanting to be dating discreet and play it it low key. Look how excited I am that he commented on my post. By the way, he is now married to that girl that he was going to see how it worked out. So. That's just one of my fun, silly dating stories.
1: Well, and I know as you were dating, as with many women, you're kind of deciding what you want Mm -hmm. in this mate. And you make a list, you set criteria, check it twice, (laughs) or mark things off Uh or add things Mm -hmm. after you learn more. And I think somewhere in that list, you met Donnie.
0: Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned the list because... I remember when I was in college, one of the times that Paul and I broke up, I remember thinking like, you know, because I had this sense even then that maybe our relationship wasn't healthy, but my codependency wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to really be strong then. And so I remember starting to write a list of some things that I would ultimately want in a partner. Um, And, uh, you know, I ended up going back to Paul and we got married. So when, when he passed away and I was thinking about dating again, I kind of had this idea that maybe I should make a extensive list this time and stick to it but I also am codependent. So I was ready to just start dating anyway. And the wise friend of ours, Dr. Zoe Shaw, who had become my therapist because I was like, homegirl needs some help. um, She encouraged me to write the list. And so I remember being pretty nervous about it. Like, well, if I write it this time and don't stick to it, I'm like an actual idiot. So what (laughs) am I putting on this list? And I started kind of small, you know, I wanted to what are the the very most important things? And that was very colored by my first marriage. You of know, course. I knew for me this time, I absolutely wanted to um, align myself with someone whose faith was the most important part of their life. And what I loved is that Zoe quickly pushed back on that and said, that's great. What does that mean for you? Like, what will that look like? How will you know, that this person you're dating is really, you know, on the level as far as faith that you're looking for. And that was really good feedback for me because ultimately I did start dating a guy who was great, but at the end of about two months, it became very obvious that although he would call himself a Christian and was willing to come to church with me, he wasn't pursuing a relationship with God Nearly as much as I was definitely not ultimately what I was looking for. So I had to kind of get real about my list and say, yeah, he checks a lot of the other things, but not the number one most important. And so the longer I was single, the longer my list got to be honest. Um, and that was actually both scary and a little bit exciting. I remember thinking, okay, God, if we're still single over here, which we're still single over here, um, let's just keep adding to it because I don't want to settle.
1: Well, and I think that's really important for women to understand Mm -hmm. is that you don't want to settle. And the fact that you found Donnie imperfect, he was, and you are, um, (laughs) But he filled the parts of your list that mattered. Yeah. And don't surrender it. Don't. I I guess I want Julie's story to tell you single ladies out there. Don't surrender it because
0: there can be a man out there. Yeah. That you want that is who you need. Yeah. Um and I I still have that list. I'd be happy if we want to put it in the show notes. I can put it there because what was interesting about it is like I said it, it kept growing. Um and when I look back now, like I can look at it and think wow, he even, you know, checks this one and this one, but it looks different than how I even intended it when I wrote it. And I think that's part of growing and strengthening and understanding yourself more as you heal from unhealthy relationships. Um you know, even after I pretty much decided I was going to marry Donnie, I could see how some of those things were an answer to the list, which is ultimately a prayer for being honest. But again, it fleshed itself out differently than I thought it was going to be. I love that. I'll just give a funny example. One of the things is when I continued to be single longer than I wanted, one of my list was I wanted him to live here in the area. In the beginning, I'm like, I'll move anywhere for love, you know? And I actually did. I traveled to meet a guy Uh in Tennessee. As time went on, I'm like, actually, I just want to live here. And you know what? I want to live here in the house that I'm in. Like, I want somebody who would want to move into our house because I'm sick of moving. And um, God bless it. My husband was living in a trailer (laughs) on a friend's farm. So that's not really what I meant, that I wanted somebody who did not have his own home and lived, you know, on a farm in a sterile. But ultimately, that checked two of my boxes. He lived here and, of course, wanted to move into my home because we weren't going to live in his trailer.
1: Well, and I do think God recognizes a need that we have or needs that we have, and in that, Julie... He knew you needed, you had already created a safe space for you and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You had already created a home, mm-hmm. and you needed
0: to keep that home. We needed some stability for a minute, yeah. You did. Yeah, And God knew that, so thus,
1: trailer man. <laughs> <laughs> trailer
0: man. And what I love about, too, is that that's a picture of his humility. You know what I mean? Like, he he was an opposite in of, like, didn't need all the fancy things, which was kind of an issue in my first marriage. So it's like it's just sweet how God can redeem some of those things. Okay. So he was the perfect man and
1: you were the perfect (laughs) woman. Or as I kind of know, the real story is Uh you both brought a little bit of baggage into the relationship.
0: Yes. A lot of baggage, And you know, what's awkward is the baggage doesn't even match. Like it's not even a nice suitcase set. (laughs) It's like some wrangly old pieces that you just throw together. Um, You know, I'm kind of joking about some of his things and, For sure, he was not interested in someone who shares almost every minute of her life on social media or who genuinely loves to watch The Bachelor and thinks that there are life lessons to be gleaned from it. Like those are some of the little quirks that we had legitimate, you know, issues over. When we first started dating, I was training for that fitness fitness competition mm-hmm. and I was hangry all the time. Like those were some things that he probably would not have chosen in a partner, but we both felt strongly that the Lord had brought us together and that, you know, those hard things about each other that we wouldn't have chosen could actually be things that would sharpen us as individuals.
1: Well, and I would imagine knowing your and his past that you had a lot of trust issues. Mm-hmm. That you both had of us. both of you. That's what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that both of you had to learn to surrender and mm-hmm. trust one
0: another. How did that play out? Yeah, I mean, we definitely. I, I still do. If I'm being completely honest, I've been married to Donnie for almost two months or two years. Excuse me. And there are still times where I can feel, you know, my 38 years of life experience that wants to tell me that I'm not lovable, that I'm not safe, that I'm quote too much. Those things can come up and I can be fearful that maybe he just wants to run. And part of that is fueled by the fact that my husband has a history of running when things get hard. And so we've had those conversations of like, this is the real deal. And we're in this together now, like we do all the things together now. And, you know, he has his insecurities of based on my past as well, that um that I'm never going to feel secure. And that's just always going to be a thing that we're going to struggle through. And so we definitely both bring things to the table that we just have to kind of almost put our blinders on and say, but it's you and me now and we're doing this together and we're going to do the hard thing about talking about all of it. To ad nauseum so that there's no secrets and you know, when things are being honestly talked about, that's one of the biggest ways to combat fear and insecurity in a relationship. I know I've said this before, but marriage is the whole meal
1: deal. You know, it's the baggage, it's the joy, it's the sharing, it's the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you go, we're in it. Both of you say, we're in it. So we're going to work through this. And don't, like you said, two years, don't expect it to get completed Mm -hmm. in two years or three years
0: or five years or 10 years. It builds. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I do feel like um, my first six months being married to Donnie, I kept being so afraid that the honeymoon phase was going to end. And I remember one time he said to me like, well, we want it to end. Like, we want to get into what the bulk of our life is going to be. Like, that's where the good stuff is going to be. And I was like, oh, okay. I was married for 11 years and Donnie had never been married and, you know, had started to wonder if he ever would, you know, being a 45 year old man who'd never been married, he'd had serious relationships, but never, you know, actually, um, had the covenant of marriage. And so there's insecurity that comes from him in that. So it's just been interesting how some of the struggles of me being married before and him never being married. I mean, those provide some interesting layers for us as well, but. That's Every relationship has those things.
1: It does, absolutely. And I think you figure out what your challenges are in mm-hmm. the relationship. First, before you get married, <laughs> you figure out if that's the right partner. Mm-hmm. But once you're in, you do everything you can to, to make it work. I know Dan and I, I say that we've lived through the ebb of flow of life. And sometimes I've held him up. Sometimes he's held me up. Sometimes we went under together, but... <laughs> (laughs) At the end of the day, someone found enough air to work through the problems. And after you do that for a while, you realize how strong you are as a unit. And, you know, for me, I can't imagine I'll be an idiot when he goes home to be with Jesus if I'm left here. I have no idea who I'll be because we are so connected. Mm -hmm. But speaking of connected, when you guys finally got married... It was COVID, <laughs> yeah. and I know we talked about that on episode 145, but, you know, start out at a crazy time,
0: you did. Yeah, yeah, so we got engaged during COVID, um, and you... Then decided to get married right away, you know, and we had the haters who were like, you can't have a wedding during COVID. And I'm like, uh, okay, you don't have to come. It's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll save money if you don't come. Um, but you know, we had this little boy who once we were like, hey, we're doing this. He wanted He genuinely was like, can we have the wedding next week? So when you have a little, you know, five-year-old batting his eyes at you, um, asking, you know, when does he get to move in? When do we do this thing? You know, we were ready to kind of move it along. And so we did. We had a COVID wedding, and it was awesome. For a minute there, it seemed like we were going to have to really, really cut it down to almost zero. And that was hard for me, being the people party person that I am. But we ended up with just under 90 people. And um, it was awesome. We had a beautiful day. It was, you know, pared down in some ways because of that. Which, who doesn't want to save a little money through the through the pandemic? So we did. We got married, then started life the three of us. And can I just comment that getting married, having a kid already, is just a whole different ballgame. <laughs> and thankfully, my sweet husband. I mean, I I I found myself kind of saying a few times like, oh, I, I wish we had that you know, minute with no kids and God bless him. Like he really was like, I don't, you know, like this is all I've ever wanted. Like I get to have, you know, a son and a wife, like this is amazing. And he actually really meant it. He wasn't just like sugarcoating it for him. He's like, I I started out with, you know, what I've always wanted instead of, you know, kind of having to build to it. So that was very interesting as well. You know, kicking off life as a married couple, but also jumping into parenting together. And that has been very interesting, very, very sure. hard, but also very good.
1: Well, and I think looking back at your list, you probably would not have necessarily thought someone who's been single till they're 45. Yeah, definitely not. But the fact that he was and his desire was to have that family actually prepared him to be an instant father.
0: Yeah. I could not imagine anyone doing it as well as he has done it. Um, and, I, and I'm not just saying that because I'm you know passionate about being a supportive wife, which I am. I'm still to this day sometimes like stopped and floored by how intentional he has been with Lincoln. And it's just a picture of one God's grace, but also, like you said, a true desire that he's always had and like has been lying dormant waiting for him to have an opportunity to to parent, and to um, really invest in a child and now children. Okay, you can't tell me it's all been easy, though. No, no, no. Because, I mean,
1: Dan and I, who, you know, they were our children together, Uh um, we still went, oh, no, don't discipline that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, let her get by with this. Oh, don't let her get by with this. And we would be polar opposites, and when our girls got smart enough and old enough, They would try to figure out which side of the
0: equation they would go get the answer they for were looking sure. for. So that had to have been a challenge. Yeah, I mean, as beautiful as it's been, I would also say it's the hardest part of our relationship because there are so many layers that come with, you know, I parented this kid on my own with all of my trauma from my childhood. What episode is that? Mm-hmm. I don't don't know, know. there's an episode all about my jacked up childhood. Yeah, we got a lot of Julie's (laughs) messed up life here and good parts too. (laughs) But I mean, there was so much, you know, that ultimately led me to Paul. And that stuff didn't go away just because Paul died. I mean, it was just, it was brought back to the surface and I really had to deal with it all. And then there was, there was definitely and still sometimes is. Some underlying, I don't know if the tension is the right word, just underlying awareness of that we haven't been parenting this child together from birth. And there there are things that he would have done differently. And mm-hmm. it's it just sits there and everyone knows it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Now that we do have Rev, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but You know, how are we going to do things differently with her that he maybe wished I had done differently with Lincoln? And, you know, my insecurities coming to the surface of like, so that's another thing you wish I had done differently, you know, (laughs) or him being like, no, I'm not saying that. I just think we should do this. So it's definitely been super, super complicated as much as it's been really exciting and fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's kind of the underlying uh, part of everybody's story. Mm All right, so you have Rev now, but you've been married two years. And did
0: you go? We want our own baby,
1: or nah, we're good? Yeah, or... I mean,
0: so when I when I you know opened my heart up to the idea of dating again, I ultimately knew that I wanted Lincoln to have a sibling, <laughs> at least a sibling, and I really didn't care if that came through a blended family. Or if I ultimately married somebody who didn't have children, then I would be open to having another child. Um, and so, because that was the situation for Donnie, you know, we knew we wanted to um, to have a baby eventually. And to be completely honest, we thought it would take a lot longer. So we jumped the gun, <laughs> and you know, first try nailed it. So <laughs> oh,
1: wouldn't plan on that. Yeah, on
0: that I one, mean. I'm sure. Yeah, this is a PG show, so we won't give all the details. But I mean, like we tried and it worked from the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so what's hilarious is, so she was born. Let's see, she's just over three months. We were married almost a year when we got pregnant, uh, like right out of year. So that's good. I mean, we at least yeah, had that first yeah. year. But like I said, we still had a kid that first year, so it yeah. wasn't like you had the fancy free first year together. But we were also excited, and you know, really glad that. Ultimately, we knew we wanted to have a kid, so there's no reason to kind of postpone it any further. But we did think it was going to take a little longer. Yeah, everybody
1: does. You know, the magic, quote unquote, (laughs) doesn't usually happen at one time. Like literally
0: when I told him we were pregnant, he's like, his first response was, you said it was going to take longer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, normally does. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. There you go. All right. Pregnancy. I mean, the man married a woman with a five-year-old, so he dealt with five-years-old on. How did he deal with a
0: pregnant woman? Overall, it was a pretty easy pregnancy, which was great. Um, it was Harder than my pregnancy with Lincoln. So I wasn't expecting that like Lincoln literally totally fine. Just feed me donuts and tell me I'm still pretty. And I was happy and I wore the heels (laughs) and all the thing. Well, eight years later, I'm, you know, eight years older and mom already. And so I did have some nausea with um, reverie, which was annoying. If I'm being honest, it wasn't horrible, but it was like, but I didn't have this before. So I was a little whiny if we're being honest (laughs) And he was great about it. Like he almost it got to the point where he wanted me to do nothing and that was what we fought about. Like he wanted me to take it so easy that I was like, Well no, I'm complaining, but it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so toward the end he I mean, our arguments would be more about like, I don't want you going down the stairs any more than you have to. And I'm like, But I'm fine. Yeah. So he was he really was a great partner um as far as you know taking care of me while being pregnant. Um and he, you know, he was very excited about this little baby almost to overprotection level. Is he now that she's born almost to overprotection level? Um no, I don't think so. No, I I think that um you know, I I think he trusts my ability to you know, obviously Keep I have alive. Done, yeah, I have done this before. <laughs> um, so I think that he's kind of backed off on that. But I mean, that first that first month was rough when mm. she was born. Um, you know, because yes, I've done this before, but it had been six million years. Mm-hmm. And just because you've done it before, moms of multiples know that every baby is really different. Yes. So even though I had some base knowledge I also had a lot of, you know, amnesia, and I was older, and also I was parenting with a different person, and to be honest, emotionally, that weighed really heavily on me, like noticing how things were so different in our relationship, it, it was almost triggering for me after Rev was born to kind of see how different Donnie was with her and just with our kids, it almost brought up like grief again for ah. me.
1: Where, Didn't see that coming, but no, it, it I came. No, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. But you were reliving when Lincoln was a
0: baby and yeah. how different it was. Yeah. I'm assuming that Donald will not listen to this. And that's the kind of thing that I just I have learned in our relationship that it doesn't help us to talk about that. And so that's something I had to process on my own, but also with friends of mine to say like, Hey, I'm feeling and experiencing this that I didn't expect. You know, sure. so
1: yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's part of a healthy marriage is when you have to sort through something that is an unexpected emotion and it would only hurt your husband, yeah. it would only make him feel a little uncertain, yeah. a little not understanding isn't your life full isn't your life great but it's something and all of us would have that in different points in our relationships where we could look back and maybe think about something that was or different and you keep it to yourself. <laughs> you keep it to yourself. You do. Not in a
0: shove it down, but in a, in a... I'm going to work this through with yes. the Lord and with trusted friends. Yeah. I mean, because even I think parents of multiples, you have that fear of like, can I have another, like, can I manage another person? Can, will I love this person as much? Right. Well, you know, think about now parenting with a new person because of death You know, will I feel the same? Will my husband feel the same about this baby as he does about Lincoln? Is Lincoln afraid? You know, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, God bless Donnie. He was very intentional. He's always been intentional. But leading up to Reverie being born, I mean, he went way above and beyond spent tons of time with Lincoln because he wanted to really lay on thick that just because she's coming you know that isn't going to change that you're my son. And so it's been really it's been really sweet because I think that we did that well. That's great. And I think one of the things another thing I really hope
1: women take from your story and from your life is that things will come up, challenges will have to be worked through, but that does not diminish your current relationship. Mm-hmm. And you don't ignore those. Yeah. You don't walk away from them and try to just push them down and push them away. You actually work through it because then you become stronger. Yeah. Then you become more
0: confident. Then you become more purposed in today after you have worked through the past. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned like some of those feelings I had, I didn't necessarily share with Donnie, but of course we talked at length about the, you know, keeping Lincoln and how, and how we were going to approach that with him and the transition. And so it's like, those are the parts that we talked about. Um, but as far as maybe some of my insecurities that I was feeling, that like you said, we're only going to hurt him. Those are the things that I needed to kind of process on my own.
1: Yeah, you did. And I'm not encouraging anyone not to talk to their husband <laughs> and keep things from them, you know. If you bought a new car and you're pulling it into the driveway and you haven't <laughs> told them, you might have, should have done that before. But if it's something that will not do anything but hurt... Yeah as you're working through it, it's, it's fine. You should just work through it and move on.
0: And I feel like if it was the kind of thing that I noticed was still lingering heavily, then I would have eventually had to, but it was also some postpartum up in there. (laughs) Didn't have that with Lincoln, but I definitely think I had some with Rev and maybe it was because of some of these layers, you know, like there was just so many emotions that weren't there before. So, all right.
1: Rev's here. Um, Donnie has absolutely pampered her, I'm mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. and loved on Lincoln and supported you. But how has the dynamic changed? And, you know, can you kind of
0: give them to a picture of today's world, good and bad? Yeah. So we mentioned that I wanted us to be able to move into my house, you know, stay in our house and what's funny is the house that I bought um, after Paul passed away, I say it's a house, it's a townhouse. Yeah, It's a two bedroom townhouse. So for the three of us, it was great, but oh, look, now we have a fourth person. <laughs> um, and so one thing that has been challenging, but we've made work is, uh, you know, adding a whole nother body to our small, tiny living space. But thankfully also I married a handyman. So he genuinely like built a room into our den for Lincoln, and that has been interesting. Um, there's baby stuff everywhere, of course, which um, I sometimes don't handle real well. I get a little a little stressed out about that, so that's something I'm having to kind of you know be patient on that eventually we will move to a place that is better. But you know, the whole world wants to move to Florida and the prices are just way too high. Yeah, they're ridiculous right now. So adding a whole person in has been really fun for all of us, but also a little bit challenging. I said that my pregnancy was a little harder. She is a little bit of a harder baby than Lincoln was. And I don't know, is that because I was younger? I I don't know. Um, She had some nursing struggles, which was very, very hard. So we ended up, she just stopped nursing. And and I say that like it happened in one day. Of course, it took about a month to be like, okay, she's just really not going to nurse, Um, which was honestly devastating because I was really looking forward to it. When I had Lincoln, I went right back to work. And with Rev, I was transitioning to really being a stay-at-home mom, which I never, ever in my history ever could have imagined being. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, well, what's great is I'll be home and I can nurse her on demand and I'm going to make sure she gets enough food because Lincoln was tiny, all the things. And then she just refused. Um, so that was really, really stressful. And it was stressful for all of us, to be honest. Donnie didn't understand why I couldn't nurse her, but I had nurse Lincoln. That's such a man thing, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and then Lincoln was watching me you know, cry and stress over trying to get her to feed while she was screaming. So he was genuinely stressed Mm -hmm. watching it. So I had to make the decision that, you know, this just isn't something that's going to work in our tiny house for everyone to be stressed about how she's eating. And so now I pump around the clock and it's horrible.
1: Yeah. Lauren, my eldest actually pumped in the bathroom at work just for the same reason. Yeah.
0: I mean, so that's been that's been a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be, but you know, we don't get to pick all the details all the time of no. how things work out. And No. And here's the thing
1: I wanna to say to the moms. As you said, they all come different. Mm-hmm. You know, their own demands, their own desires, their own I don't know why some nurse unbelievably well, and some don't at all, and some mothers have a terrible time. But here's the deal doesn't matter. There's no gold star for the mom who nurses perfectly. I know. There's no failed grade for the one who's struggling or the baby that's not. It's all fine. They're fine. She's chubby. (laughs) She's doing fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what's crazy is, yeah, I mean, switching to bottle feeding her breast milk only so far, knock on wood. I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do that. I have noticed that I'm not making as much as I used to. I don't know, TMI, but that's this month's struggle. Like, will I continue to be able to only, you know, bottle feed her breast milk? I don't know. We'll see. And I'm going to hold it loosely because at the end of the day, like you said, that's not the most important part of my parenting.
1: I think I want to, you know, just kind of wrap this up with Julie's story is obviously Julie's
0: story from
1: her childhood till today. And She will have layers more going forward, as we all do. Um, But your story, you need to think strength, no matter what your story is. And we believe in strength in our faith from our God, who will walk through us in every part. But you also need to, as she has, recognize some of the things that she's had to work through along the way. And, you know, let let me just ask you, Julie, what
0: advice would you give to a woman as their their story is unfolding? Well I do think something that I have um, you know that I'm kind of known for is praying for your husband daily Um, and I feel like I've always been good at that but my prayer life in general hasn't necessarily always been strong but I, I think in the last five years really since Paul died I found a new dependence on prayer that I didn't have before. And it's not, it's not fancy and it's not, you know, um, journaled and, you know, cataloged, like everyone <laughs> says you should do. And whenever I hear somebody talking about them, I'm like, that would be awesome if I had written everything down and then I could go back and see all the amazing ways God has answered them. And I still don't do that, but I do know that I turn to prayer way quicker than I used to. And I have found that there's definitely a, an attitude of prayer in our home. And I'm seeing it with Lincoln and we were at the store yesterday and he's, I'm going to cry. He saw somebody had a disability and he said, mommy, can we stop and pray for him? And I'm like, yeah, we can. So we kind of ducked over into a corner and just stopped and just prayed for the nice gentleman who had just helped us, but also had a disability. And I'm like, that's a picture of just, it's something we do regularly in our home. And that's, that's how we have gotten through, because there are times where I just mess it up royally and I have to just stop and say, can we pray? Because I need to turn this around. And that's that's how we do it in the Bender House, like just keeping it real and honest and going to God constantly, admitting when we mess up and asking for his help. Love that. And I think it's important to recognize the fact that
1: prayer involves every part of our lives. It It should. And what it does when we pray about everything is we realize that we're not alone, mm-hmm. that there is someone who loves us unbelievably, who cares about every part of our life and delights in us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: delights in us and our spouse or our boyfriend or mm-hmm. our children or just us by ourselves That. He loves us and wants to be every part of your story. For sure. You know, Julie, you just made me think. Actually, there was one verse I was going to end with, and I think this one's so much better because of how you ended this episode. Let's hear it. It's Ephesians 3, 14 to 16. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower
0: you with an inner strength through his spirit. I mean, yeah, I think you completely nailed that one. I feel like something Donnie and I have always said is we want people, when they look at our story to ultimately see God more than anything else. And so that's certainly my prayer and will continue to be. So thanks for giving me another chance to share the last couple chapters (laughs) in my journey to date. It's always been such a blessing. Well, Julie, I'm really thrilled that
1: you are willing to do that because I think a lot of women can relate Mm -hmm. to some of your life experiences. And, you know, we're going to kind of take a, will be maybe every other week. Julie's still pumping.
0: I know. I'm like, literally, we need to wrap this up. I have to go pump, <laughs> <laughs> And you'll hear it if we yeah. try to do it at the same time.
1: Yeah. And I'm doing some traveling. But, you know, we're going to drop in a couple of episodes that I'm going to do without Julie <gasps> that... I know. I'll actually we've discussed this off mic. (laughs) Yeah, we have. Um, Then I'm going to talk to a few of our writers Mm. for another venture where they've recorded their audio version of their articles, and I'm really excited about it. But I'm going to drop in a few of those. Give Julie a little relaxed time. I'm laughing. Relax Relax time. Okay, she has a three month old. Never mind. (laughs) I'm going to give Julie time to hopefully keep to continue trying to get it together. Yes, (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah, and we'll be keep coming back. So I hope you will too.
0: Well, until next time, whenever that is, thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.